This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. We've got another great episode for you. Welcome into the Bar Conversations. It's a fun one. We mix beer and alcohol. It's really, it is Hops and Spirits with a little bit of music thrown in there. Creed Fisher, Texas Country Outlaw artist, will be joining us for our kind of you know main main event of the evening. And our tasting notes this week will be on the winter beers, what to expect um, as we head into the Christmas holiday, and then once the calendar flips, uh, Kevin Patterson will be joining us for that. It's always fun to talk to him, and Creed was a blast as well. I hope you enjoy. It's almost time. Where did I where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for tasting notes. With us now for an edition of tasting notes is Kevin Patterson, Cicerone National Beer Judge. He's also manager of the Beer Trap uh, Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington, Kentucky. Kevin, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me, Jonathan. It's good to be back. Well, and it's good to be talking beer. Um, you know, we talk a lot of different things on on this show, but beer. It's kind of where my, you know, first love of, of all this came with. And, um, you know, winter time is, I feel like, a weird time in the beer world because you see Christmas ales, holiday ales on the shelf now, but that might not be the case in a, in a couple more weeks. So I figured we'd talk about how things change this time of year and, and kind of how that works. Yeah, we've kind of gotten past the the summery months, the warmer months, and um, you yeah, know now for a couple of a uh, couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months now, we've seen uh, a shift. Uh, just like whenever it comes to to food, you know, people's palates change. Whenever the weather gets cooler, we go for richer meals. We go for deeper, more complex meals. Uh, we're not eating a whole lot of cedars, uh, plain salmon. We're not eating a whole lot of um, uh, salads. You know, those things are gone. Now it's the goulash. Uh, now it's the, the richer, the short ribs. And uh, whenever it comes to beer, it's a lot the same. Uh, people aren't reaching for as many session IPAs now. Uh, sour ales are starting to slow down just a touch. And so what they're being replaced with, bigger, richer, maltier beers. So you can expect more alcohol, more sweetness, more body, more creaminess, more viscosity. Just something that's a little bit more hefty than maybe what we were drinking even a month or two ago. Well, and I also feel like this time of year is when all... The- not all the breweries, but a lot of the breweries, especially ones that have barrel aging programs, tend to do some of their very big releases. You know, obviously Goose Island with their uh, Bourbon County Stouts uh, that, that came out just a little bit ago. You know, a little closer to us, Braxton, Dark Charge Day coming up. Um, what can f- folks expect with stuff like that? Because obviously it's getting kind of crazier and more involved with collaborations and, and so forth. But what can folks expect on that end? Yeah, it's pretty common for now, you know, you walk into a, a tap room or a brew house and it's going to smell like coffee and chocolate because those guys are in the back busy making big imperial stouts, Belgian quads, big porters, uh, Bach beers. They're making a lot of those beers now because the fresher ones, they can put those out here soon. Uh, but they're going to take a portion of those and they're, they're going to stow them away in barrels and they're going to sit in barrels for maybe a year uh, before they go to the bottling line or canning line or kegging line. And uh, so, you know, right now, what we're getting ready to taste are the beers that were brewed almost a year ago. And so they've been slumbering away in the spring, summer, and fall in those bourbon barrels. And so they're rolling onto the shelves now. Seems like every little brewery, they have a Black Friday special. And our local breweries here had uh, several specials running. And, you know, those beers are all fantastic. I've had some people nice enough to, to save me a bottle or two. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to diving into those if the weather continues to be chilly and cool. 
but uh, there's no shortage of the need for bourbon barrel aged beers. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the, the distillers, you know, whenever they make a barrel, it's a single use barrel. So they're done with it relatively uh, quickly. Uh, but the breweries are far outpacing how quickly they're using those bourbon barrels. And so they have to be somewhat limited and, and um, I guess, judicious about how much beer they put in bourbon barrels. Too. It's largely predicated on how many barrels they get. So sometimes these barrel-aged beers can be somewhat limited. They'll sell out in a day or two, or, you know, if they go on tap, they're not going to last very long. Whenever it goes, it goes. There's no second keg to back that one up. So if you see those out there, you might as well jump on it. There's no need to wait until next week to try that beer. You may want to do it now. And, and be, be prepared to pay a little extra as well and, and probably not enjoy too many because the price points and everything and the ABV will be a little higher. Now, you know, we, we talked so much about the holidays in the past when I've had you on, you know, you get this very spice, a lot of spices and, and stuff, you know, maybe a, they call it a Christmas sale or a holiday. Ale. When do we kind of see that transition into just regular stouts? Because obviously come January, you're not going to see as many holiday and Christmas ales um, out unless they're just still sitting there because no one, no one got them just yet. Yeah, there's a difference of philosophy there and that's all marketing. It's not really um, a flavor change but what happens is if a brewer decides okay i want to make a holiday ale i want to spice it with the cinnamon the nutmeg the ginger um and i want to sell it for the holidays they put something on the label that suggests it's a christmas beer or hanukkah beer or something kind of beer that's meant for the holidays then it's going to sell real well up through the end of the holiday period but if it has that holiday written on the label after the holidays they're going to sit there forever they'll sit there to the fourth of july no one's going to buy it so the other training strategy, if you're a brewer, make the same beer. You can spice it the same way. You can do everything the same way, but you don't put a holiday on the beer. What you do is you call it a winter warmer. There, you're getting customers maybe not buy it as quickly leading up to Christmas or the Christmas season, holiday season, but you'll see them sell a little bit better after the holidays because uh, people don't perceive that as a beer that's expired or a beer that's kind of path, uh, past its prime or anything like that. So a richer beer is spiced the same way. It can still be enjoyed in January, February, and even parts of March. Well, and it sounds like a, a lot of a lot of neat options will be out there for folks. And, and like we always say, pay attention to the label because uh, you never know what's in it. Um, you might not like a certain spice or, or whatever, but also for the ABV because uh, a lot of these are a lot uh, heftier um, that, that you just got to be careful with. You do. Most of them are imperial status, which means they're going to go 8% or higher. Um, and there's varying degrees of spiciness. You know, folks sometimes say, oh, I don't like Christmas ales. They taste like Yankee candles. Well, some do. You know, some people really do like that. But not all of them are spiced too heavily. I just had one by Fatheads last night called the Holly Jolly. And uh, the base beer of an amber ale really stood tall. It's a really nice little beer with or without the spices. Now, they add the spices to it. gives a little bit more allure. And, of course, I've been wooed into thinking, oh, I'm going to open this one, <laughs> get into it slowly, sip into it a little bit more uh, carefully, because if it's overly spicy, I don't want to blast me out. But it didn't do that. It was actually really, really nice. So some of them can be very spicy. Uh, some of them don't have to be so bad. Well, and Kevin, I appreciate it as always. And folks, I hope you enjoy a few uh, good beers this winter. Anytime. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us now on the Bar Conversations podcast is... What I would call a pure Texan, an outlaw country music artist, better known as Creed Fisher. Creed, welcome on. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And sorry for, you know, technical difficulties. I always say technology is great when it likes to work and play nice. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. Well, you know, since we, we are, you know, I asked you this right before we came on, but I, I'll at least share what, I, what I'm drinking. I, I've got a little, because I'm talking to a Texan, I figured I'd have a little Texas whiskey, a little still Austin. Um, are you a whiskey guy? I mean, I know you're drinking a little vodka and orange juice, keeping it simple tonight, but what, 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 what's normally in your glass if you're drinking? I'm usually drinking uh, bourbon. <laughs> there you go. I like Crown Roll a lot. Uh, I like it, to be honest with you, I like the cheap stuff. I like Evan Williams. <laughs> and then a little, you know, some, te some Texas whiskey is always good. But I love my vodka and orange juice. Tito's is made in Austin, so. No, I, I will never forget the first time I, we, my wife and I had Tito's. We were out at a restaurant. And my wife was like, well, I want like, she's getting like vodka and cranberry. She's like, this was like four or five years ago. She's like, I don't want top shelf. I don't want exactly bottom shelf. The, the server goes, I got you. Came back with Tito's and we, we've been a believer ever since. <laughs> Potatoes, man. You can't go wrong. No, not, not at all. Now. You know, for those that might have listened to you, might not know about you, you know, your, your outlaw country is kind of the genre they give you, but what would you consider the type of music in your style? Well, it's definitely country. I always kind of call it Southern outlaw country. If I had to put it into a rectangular box. And, and why, why, why would you, I mean, cause you could even say you're Texas country cause you're, you know, from Texas. I mean, I think my music is bigger than just Texas though. My music's about America, you know? So, I mean, I try not to genreify my music, but it's definitely, you know, I do everything from Southern rock to, to metal to, to traditional country, which is and cool. No, and, and, and I've loved it and I've enjoyed it. And you know, I've been listening to, to your latest album, Whiskey and the Dog, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But I also have to ask, is your real name Creed Fisher? Creed is my middle name. It comes from my grandfather. Okay. Grandfather's name was Creed. Uh, his middle name was Creed. He was James Creed. I'm Christopher Creed. So it goes back to, to my grandfather and my son's middle name is Creed. So, yeah, it's in the family. And then, well, and I, I feel like it stands out a little better than Chris, just, just being honest. <laughs> I think it's a no brainer. <laughs> he is part of my whole music career. Well, was picking out a name. Well, for some, it's not. I, I talked to the, the band Everett, and they're like getting down to the wire of putting out an album and trying to go on tour and, you know, like book shows. And they still didn't have a name up until like, you know, eight months into their, their journey. Yeah, I think with me, it was a no-brainer to drop the Christopher and just go with, with Creed. My, my grandfather, people called him Creed, so I, we were really close. And for me, it was an easy easy choice. And, you know, obviously, you have the new album out, Whiskey uh, and the Dog. How did, I mean, I know there's a song called that, but why, what, what's in the name for that? Was there any meaning or did it just kind of click? What, what, what's the purpose behind that name, I guess? Well, I just think of all the songs on the album. It just, I just kind of go with what, what hits me and what I, what I vibe with, you know, you try to pick a name that's, that's going to stand out. And I just think of all the songs on the album. It was the most worthy of being the, 
the title track. Plus, uh, I'm really close with my bully pit that I got back uh, in December, uh, Hankles, aka Hank the dog. So yeah, I mean, I'm a dog lover. I love, my, I love, I got Hank in December and he's been by my side ever since, man. And he was kind of the inspiration for the song. And, you know, when I try to pick, I, I never really try to force or, or really, sometimes I know it going in and sometimes I don't, but I think with this album, it was just definitely, you know, it was, it was a no brainer, kind of like picking Creed Fisher, you know, as whiskey and the dog just stood out most and it kind of just represented the whole vibe of the album. Well, I, I, at first I thought you were going to say is because you, you know, you were very close with whiskey and I was like, well, I could see that too. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like ultimate breakup song, you mm -hmm. know? And so I think, I think it just, I knew instantly that that was going to be the, the title to the album. Well, and you know, listening to the album, you, you kind of have a little bit of a range of kind of the songs on there. You have a little bit of uh, what I call a fun song on there. Um, I won't say it just in case my mom's watching it's, it. I enjoyed it. My wife, as soon as she heard the, uh, the, uh, the, the lyrics at the start, she knew exactly where you were going with it. But then you kind of have the, I don't know if I'd call it super serious, but, you know, Whiskey and the Dog and talking about breakup and then even going down by the riverbank. Uh, what what can folks expect on this album? I just think it's a very well-rounded album. It takes you kind of on a roller coaster ride. You get, you know, I had somebody comment and I always love it when people say this, you know, that I don't know and that, I, you know, but uh, he said, you know, the way you put songs on an album matters, you know, and on this album, he said on one song, I had my drinks out. I was ready to, to, to you know, to drink. And the next song I was in tears. And then the next song, I was busting out laughing. And so I think that kind of represents the album itself. You know, it's, and that's what I was telling people at first, you know, it's going to take you through a lot of different emotions. You know, I, I just think the album really is just, it's got a little something for everybody on there. And, you know, you, you're reading up about you and, and, and kind of doing a little deeper dive, because like I said, I've, I've enjoyed the music. But, you know, when, when doing something like this, I want to make sure I actually know a little bit about what I'm talking about and not just, you know, throw it out random questions. I mean, were you reaching back to some of the past things that happened in life for, for this, this album, too? Yeah, I mean, this album always, even if I'm writing, you know, songs today, I always kind of, I always go back to all of my my memories I have of the things I've been through, and there's songs on this album that I wrote like I'm crazy. And in your gone was on my first album that you know that I don't sell it anymore, and I've kind of redone you know several songs off that album. So I think the album goes all the way back to when I got divorced, and then all the way up to present time when I woke, wrote Whiskey and the Dog and Hankles. So I think it just you know it's just it's just Creed Fisher. It's, it's <laughs> there's Hankles right there. He wants to be in the interview, but it's the album is just a, a, a compilation of stories about my life and things that not that I've been through and, and just <laughs> songs like Jesus Hager and Jones is not necessarily things I've been through, but it, it, it includes people from my life, you know, that have taught me 
this, you know, this or that, you know, everything that made me who I am, you know? Well, and, and I was going to say, I guess that takes perfectly to my next question too, because reading about it, you didn't get into music right away. It wasn't like you were um, right out of college or something like that, just, you know, hitting the bars playing. I mean, what eventually got you into to music? Well, karaoke came out when I was about 19. I was in the, I was in the uh, army. I was in Missouri when karaoke came out and I'd always loved to sing and I had a good voice. I knew I had a good voice. So I got into karaoke. You know, I think that was really the first uh, hints of it. And I realized I could sing, you know, and then I think as time went by, I got out of the military. I moved back home. You know, I went to work. I had, I ended up getting married and having, you know, I had three kids and I raised my kids and stuff, but always had that love for singing. And, you know, I knew I had that. I grew up loving Elvis, you know, and who doesn't want to do that, you know, but I think for me, just the journey that I was in, you know, I, my first love was football. So I was raising kids and I was married and I was, I was working and, and playing minor league football and, and then one day it all ended, you know, one day I lost, well, I got divorced and I had to quit playing football in a, a matter of a year, you know? So it was just kind of a reawakening, a reinventing of who I was. And, you know, I had to change. I mean, I had to adapt and, and go into this new phase of my life. And that was music, you know, and I think it wasn't easy. You know, it was a, a lot of hard times back then, but, obviously that's who, who makes you that's what makes you you know who you are as an artist when you finally when you finally get down the road and you look back you really appreciate those days man even though it wasn't pleasant at the time you really you really appreciate where you come from and and knowing you know that you you made it through a lot of hard hard times and hard situations well and i read too where uh, a little blue house uh, played played a big big role in, in that too can you explain that and kind of give folks a little insight into how that kind of changed everything. Cause I'm guessing that was right after all of it happened. Right. It was just a matter of being at your lowest point. You know, you, 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 are struggling, you're clawing, you're just fighting to, to stay above water. And I think for me, you know, when, when you're a working man and, and you go through a divorce and you have, you know, three kids and it just is what it is, man. And, you know, you, half of my paycheck went to child support, you know, so I was struggling and the little, the little blue house just represents what I was able to find, you know, it was, it was on my street that I grew up on, you know, and it was, it was a home, man. It was a home that I never had, you know, so it just represents to me like my beginning where I started, where I, well, I found out who I was. I, I discovered who I was in that blue house. I discovered I was an artist. I, I had it in my heart to do music. And so that blue house means a lot to me. You know, I always think, you know, you, you got to give a lot of credit to where you come from. And that little that blue house just represents where I started, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I was going to say, I guess you could even say that's where Creed Fisher was born or reborn i mean i was in that house that's where i learned to play guitar my uncle pooch sat there you know and i couldn't play for very good and 
he would sit there and listen and just I was always had good I always had good lyrics though you know always had good things to say and and uh I wouldn't trade those memories for nothing man because I didn't have I didn't have nothing but that little blue house it was so tore up I had to redo the whole inside of it but you know we put a lot of hard work in that a lot of blood sweat and tears and and that was my home for about I want to say about six seven years that was my home and then I finally made it out of Odessa (laughs) (laughs) which you know I'm glad I did because I needed, I needed to be doing what I'm doing here. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, having those experiences, I always feel like if you can put them into words really can resonate with, with a lot of people. And, and I feel like you've been able to do that. I mean, whether it's drawn on those past experiences, just how you feel, uh, things like that when you're writing, I mean, is it always past experiences or is it kind of, you might have an idea for a song you know, because I'm always interested because some people always approach that a different way. Well, I think you want to write songs that are come from a lot of different angles. You obviously don't want to put the same song out over and over. I think for me, you know, just a lot of different ways. I mean, I write about things I've been through. I write about things that, that I believe in, you know, and even if, you know, I think to write a song or even I think even if you did, because like, for instance, my song Faster is about a gun, a gunslinger in the, in the Wild West. Obviously, I've never done that. But I just think if you feel it in your heart and I think it comes through, whether you've actually lived that or not, you know, and I think the way I write about things that I care about, I guess if I had to characterize it all in one, I just write songs about dysfunction, about not being perfect. I write songs about this, the country that I love America and about the, what, you know, calling out things for what they are, you know, and, and supporting our veterans. And, and that's all part of it with, you know, kind of all part of what I do, but I write a lot of songs about drinking, you know, I write a lot of songs about just not giving a damn, you know? And, and do you ever have that, that point? Cause I, I grew up a writer when I say writer, like I, that's, that's kind of my day job these days. Um, not, not writing books. I'm, I can't write that many words, but uh, you know, sometimes it comes out really good. And then sometimes I'm like, I got to completely scratch that out. I mean, do you, do you have that writer's block too? Or where man, you're like, man, that sounded great. You go back to the book and look and go, what the hell was I doing that night? I think I wrote so much when I first got started that I had so much built up inside of me that I think I wrote, I probably wrote more songs than most people do in their whole career through that time of my life. So I think for me, I've never had to really push. I've never had to, I've never had to really stress over writing. I've always had so much material that I didn't have to, to worry about that. I've only written under pressure a few times where someone said, you know, can you write me this song about this or that? And like for instance, be the hope during uh, the COVID situation. But I think for me, it's just a gift, man. I just, I, it comes easy. It's very easy for me to, obviously as you're younger, your mind is, (laughs) the synopsis are firing way harder, you know, (laughs) but uh, I think for me, it just comes easy, man. You know, like I just, these days, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
a lot of songs I'm putting on these albums are songs I wrote years ago, either, you know, whether it be a couple years or, or eight to 10 years, you know, but I just think for me, it kind of comes easy. You know, I don't really, I haven't had to really push myself to, you know, I know a lot of writers have writer's block and whatnot, but I think with me, man, just these days I just write in spurts, you know, I, I don't really sit down and, it just kind of comes to me uh, at certain times when I'm on the road or, or whenever, but uh, it definitely doesn't come as much and as fast as it used to. <laughs> Hungry, you know, but plus I've written a lot of songs, you know, I put a lot of material out. So I think these days it's a little bit slower, but I think it still comes. And I think these days I've just really been able to kind of focus in on what kind of song I want to write and what message I want to have in the song and, it's really kind of cool not to have to really write much anymore because I have material out, you know, my next album rebel in the South is already done. That's 14, 14 more original new songs. So that's 28 original new songs in the, in the last uh, few months, six months, you know, so I think it's kind of, it's nice to kind of just be able to slow down and not, and just be able to write when it, when the inspiration comes. Well, I feel like that that's kind of the best way and that lets you do do some of the other things you probably enjoy, which is I'm assuming being in front of fans and, and performing, you know, live shows and things like that. I love playing. There's nothing like it. I mean, it's definitely my drug of choice. Uh, you just can't you can't really you can't replicate it. I mean, it's it's nothing like it. And I, and I hope I get to keep doing it, man. You know, it's, we've had some really good shows, especially in the last few years. So I'm really looking forward to getting back on the road next year. It seems like, it seems like forever since we've actually been able to hit it, you know, pretty hard, but yeah, I mean, everything's in place. We're excited. We've got a new agent moving into next year. So there's going to be a lot of good Creep Fisher shows next year. We're going to be playing all over the, all the U.S. So be looking for us. I, I like that. I, I wouldn't even call that a tease. I'd just call that a, a matter of fact and and uh, a, a, an alert to, to, to be uh, paying attention. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, like you mentioned the song like uh, Jesus and, and Hank and um, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. Jesus uh, Haggard and Jones. And Jesus, G, yeah, Jesus Haggard and Jones. There we go. My goodness. Uh, apparently I've had one too many. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, what what did you grow up listening to? Was it those those guys, or was it just a whole plethora of of music? I grew up listening to a lot of different stuff. I grew up around the people in my family really loved music, so music was always playing. And so I got a lot of the older artists like Marty Robbins. I want to say is he's a huge influence on me because just because I heard his music so much. And then I was, I was listening to the records that my grandparents had, you know? So I was listening to Marty Robbins. I was listening to Don Williams and Merle Haggard, Hank Sr. And I think on my mom's side is when I got introduced to Black Sabbath, to Ted Nugent. And I think that's what made my music what it is because if you come see us live, really that's what it is. I mean, it's a mix of, that, of those two styles. It's a mix of storytelling, traditional country, and Southern rock, 
almost to the point of Black Sabbath. I don't, I don't, you wouldn't really call Black Sabbath Southern rock, but it kind of goes from the Black Sabbath side all the way to, to real traditional country. Well, I, I feel like that's a great blend. Uh, you know, I, I worked at a classic country radio station uh, for a few years and, and really got to enjoy that music just because of the actual stories that were told. Um, I mean, just amazing. I mean, to think, you know, Johnny Cash took a poem, you know, and, and turned it into something that people sing constantly nowadays is just amazing. Yeah, I think uh, those are probably the best days of music, if you ask me. The 70s, the 60s and the 70s. Now, now you grew up in Texas. What was that? How, how has that impacted just everything about you? I mean, from maybe the music style to just who you are. Because I feel like I have a brother and, and family that live in Texas, live in the College Station area. I got some family in Houston and, and, and stuff. And I feel like once, once you're in Texas, it just sucks you in in a good way, not in a bad way. But, I mean, Texas is, I feel like something a little different than, than other places. I think like, I feel like Texas had a huge part in making me who I am. You know, I'm extremely influenced by the state that I, that I come from, you know, and I just, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, you know, and I'm proud to be from Texas. And I, I think not only Texas, but from West Texas, you know, where I come from out in the oil fields, because it's, it's a blue collar it's a blue collar town, you know, it's, it's a, a working town, you know, that's where, and people are proud to, to work for what they have. You know, they don't want anything given to them. They want to work and they want to, they want to provide for their families and, and have pride in, you know, their, their hands and their work. And I just think, I don't know people that are getting Ohio tattoos, you know, <laughs> So yeah, I'm extremely proud to be from Texas. I mean, it's everything about Creek Fisher exudes Texas. I mean, the way I feel about Nashville, and when I say Nashville, I don't have anything against the city of Nashville. I love the city of Nashville, but I mean, the way I feel about Music Row, I don't have to tell you. You can go listen to my music, you know, and that just comes from that Texas pride. You know, just we're not going to be told what to do, who to be. You know, we're not going to be told what our music should be. And I'm proud of that, you know, and I think Waylon was proud of it. And and I'm proud to carry on that tradition. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you, you've brought kind of that, that attitude back and it, it's fun to hear it. And it's fun to kind of see the new wave of it uh, to, to some degree. Uh, I, I feel like this also goes with my next question because you know that attitude of just kind of hard work and go about it your your own way you you basically did that because it's not like you did what maybe say a zach brown band did and played five thousand shows a year at colleges all across the country you just kind of were doing your own thing posted stuff online and then it kind of took off i mean why was that just kind of what you wanted to do and what you figured would was best for you it's just the way the lord made it played it out I couldn't have micromanaged it. I couldn't have changed it if I tried, you know. I don't think if I'd have tried to go into music when I was in my 20s that it would have worked out. I think it happened when it was supposed to. It happened when it was right for me. And, you know, I mean, 
it takes a strong person to say the things that I say. It takes a person that's not afraid to, to speak his mind. And I think when you're in your 20s, I don't know if you're quite there if you're, when you're in your 20s. But when you get in your 30s, you mature, you get in your 40s. I've lived a lot of life, you know, and I, my, my beliefs are pretty strong, you know, and they're, they're, they're based on 47 years of living, you know. So I just think with me, man, it just played out the way that it was supposed to. And, and something we can't control these things, you know. If we tried to control them, it wouldn't work. No, I mean, I, I think you're, you're spot on with that. And, and, I, and I, I totally agree, too, because as someone that's now in my mid-30s, thinking back to when I was in my early 20s, mid-20s, man, how everything has, has changed is completely different on the thought process and everything. You know, you, just having that bit of life makes such a big difference. Yeah, and just being able to, to get those years. I mean, I'm always stirring that pot, you know. I think I stir that pot more than anybody else. You know, I, I really, I really, I really try to get under their skin, you know, and I just say what I feel, you know, and I think my new album Rebel in the South says more than I ever have. It's kind of the exclamation point on it, but, you know, I, I love country music and I'm always going to be in the trenches fighting for country music regardless. Well, and, and you touched on this a little bit earlier too about, you know, I'm kind of going to bring this little full circle because, you know, obviously you performed online or, you know, put your songs up online, things like that. What was it like when you then went and performed in front of people? Because, I mean, I know just being in front of people live has got to be, as you said, an amazing feeling because, I mean, there's just something about people cheering and wanting to be there, wanting to hear you. But, I mean, what was it like transitioning from maybe a behind-the-scenes type thing to then being in front of, hundreds, thousands of, of people. It was terrifying. <laughs> Were you shaking? Cause I, I never, I'll, I'll add this. I've been on live TV a few times. The first time I'm pretty sure you could have seen my hand go like, like that the whole time. <laughs> I think that you have all different levels of, uh, you know, of, of nerves and stuff. I, I go, I'll go back all the way to my very first performance in front of people. I played, I got up and played, at a karaoke bar that I, that I had been going to for a long time. And I got up and played my guitar completely bombed. You know, it sucked. <laughs> they were looking at me like Lord Creek. We know you can sing and we're, you know, we're going to give you a pass on this. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was the very first time I ever stood up and tried to play guitar and sing in front of people, you know? And I think you go, I think if you can't get past that, you'll never make it because you, you have to, be scared to death and i thought i was scared that day you know and then you go to a point where you know i went to fort worth and i had to play to eat and so i had to get out there and i had to do it and then i went back to my hometown and I opened up for travis trip and it was a sold out show and we were both acoustic so i'm peeking out the the corner of the the curtain and, and there's people i mean it's sold out. Everybody's just sitting there. It's a theater, you know. It's not like they're standing up talking to each other. Yeah. They're just sitting there waiting for you to come out. And that's the most nervous I've ever been. And I, that's the most nervous I'll ever be. And if I didn't 
step out on that stage, if, if I hadn't fall on my face, first and foremost, before that, I would have never have gotten to that point. And if I didn't take that chance, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I was scared to death. And I went out there and I did it and I did good and I didn't screw it up. And I don't think I could ever be nervous. I think maybe if I went on like Ed Sullivan or like, you know, a late night show, I might be kind of nervous to that, to that extent. But ever since then, I've never really been nervous for another show. I was going to say, there's something different about being the only person out there on the stage. You don't even really like with the band, you got at least some, some people behind you. It's just you in a spotlight. And they can hear, they can hear a pin drop, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause can't, the, can't make even one little mistake. They're going to know. Yeah. I was going to say, cause in a theater, if they're just sitting there and they're not talking. It's like, almost like they're there for a play and it's totally different. It was, I was nervous, man. I was very, very nervous, but it ended up being a great night. One that I look back on and I really cherish, man. But, uh, that was my uh, the most nervous I've ever been to play. You know, I don't really think I could ever be nervous since then. You know. Well, and you know, too. Obviously, you know, I see see the smile when you're you're retelling the stories, things like that. You also just like to have fun too. And, you know, I, I see that in the songs. Uh, you know, things like that. Uh, what is it about just having a little bit of fun? Is that kind of what keeps you grounded, or is that just that's just that's just creep? I just think it's just who I am. I like to have fun. I like to, I fancy myself as a park comedian, you know, <laughs> I like to crack up and to, to, uh, to be funny. And that's just who I am. You know, it's, it's the only thing that keeps me sane, to be honest with you. I mean, are you going to go up on a stand up tour here soon too, to, to have a little fun? No, no, I don't think that I could do that, man. I got a lot of respect for those guys. I like to do it while I'm playing. No, I have a lot of music to keep them entertained, and then I can, I can throw in my stand up in between the songs. You know, so, uh, I would I would be frightened to have to actually stand up and do what those comedians do in <laughs> thirty minutes like that or an hour. But we're yeah. all gifted at something, and that's not that's not it for me. But I, I I feel like I am a funny guy. I feel like I'm always off the cuff. I, I'm always making my fans laugh. And uh, I think it helps just me, you know, if you can't laugh, you got to laugh, man. You got to, you got to keep, keep a smile on your face and, you know, life can try to get you down, but you, you really have to, to not take things too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. And, and that's just kind of how I roll and, and operate. I was going to say, I mean, it comes through, through on your albums, like, like you said earlier. You got a song that makes you laugh, maybe makes you cry, maybe makes you, I don't want to say angry, but at least a little, little bit like jacked up, you know, you, you go through all the emotions and that, that's what music's supposed to do. It's supposed to, 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 to bring emotion to folks. And I, I guess I'll wrap this up with, did you ever expect this to be your life? I mean, you know, making music, releasing albums, going on tours. Um, did you ever expect that while you were working in, you know, in the oil fields and things like that? I think faith is one of the hardest things to have in this life. And sometimes you have to have faith when you have no evidence, you know, 
it, it's easy to have faith when you have lots of evidence that you're going in the right way, in the right direction. <laughs> to have blind faith is, is hard. And I think, you know, I always thought I would be here. I always dreamed I would be here. And I always really prayed that I would be here. But I didn't necessarily, necessarily believe I would be. You know, it, it's very rare. The numbers of people who make it, who do have done what I did, it's very, very rare that you actually get where I'm at. And so I always thought I would, to be honest with you. I always really had a belief in it in my heart. I think if you don't believe in it, it's really hard to sell it to other people. You know, when you when you believe in it in your heart and when you're convicted in your heart that, that, that you know that this is what you're meant to do, I think you sell it to other people and they, they buy into it. But it's a long shot, man. It, you know, not, there's not many people that make it to where I'm at uh, that just do it on their own, you know, and, and don't kiss butt and, and tell it like it is. You know, it's, it's not an easy road, but I always believed I would be, to be honest with you. I didn't know how I'd get here, but I always believed I would get here some way. And, and, and you got here, you did it exactly what you said. You did it the Creed Fisher way. And, and I think that to me, that also comes through in music. I mean, you can't, you can fake a few songs. You know what I mean? Like you can fake a few songs, but you can't fake multiple albums. It, it eventually comes through. And, and uh, I think that's what I, I love about you and love about your music. And, and I guess we'll wrap this up. You, you mentioned, Whiskey and the Dog is out, but what's next? Because it sounds like you got another album dropping soon, and maybe a, a well, maybe not, maybe a definitely a tour coming in in twenty twenty two. I got so much in the works, man. I, that's probably almost to a fault, you know. Uh, we got the new album Rebel in the South coming. It's fourteen new original songs, very rebellious album. I probably I'm, I'm more excited about that album than I've been about any album that I've ever put out really, but it's 14 new songs. It's going to come out next spring for pre-order. So you're looking at an early summer release <clears throat> and then I've already finished outlaw influence volume two. So I've got, uh, I did Don Williams. I did obviously if you're familiar with outlaw influence volume one, I did a lot of this, uh, Johnny cash, Merle Haggard, Hank and Waylon and all that. So that album's coming out late summer of next year. I've got a new project I'm working on called Creed Fisher and the Little Outlaws, mm. where I'm putting out a, a kid's album. Oh, I like <laughs> the, it. The leading single being a, a song I wrote called I'm In Time Out. So I got a lot of a lot of things in the works, man. And we're, we're actually, and obviously we're going to be touring too. You know, we start a tour with the Lax. Uh, we go out on tour with the Lax in March. So we're going to be out with them, with my label mates. We're going to be out with them till July. And there's no telling where we're going to be after that. Uh, we could end up with, there's not, no telling who, what artists we're going to end up going out with. But we're, we're excited. we got a lot of new stuff coming. I mean, I'm, I'm fixing to redo Ain't Scared to Bleed, which is my first Southern Rock album. I'm going to redo it with my band fixing to cut my next Southern rock album. So I'm working my, my butt off, man, to keep the, the music coming and, and to, uh, to stay sane and sober. 
<laughs> well, I was going to say it might be difficult with a few vodkas and, and orange juices, but I also just love I'm in timeout because I'm guessing that never happened to you ever. <laughs> it actually didn't. Really? I didn't come from the timeout generation. Ah, well, that's fair. That's I, didn't, fair. I, mean, I didn't hear I didn't hear that stuff till I was a, a parent. In my day, you didn't have timeout. You had what was called the switch. Yeah, I was gonna say the belt, the belt crack, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that <laughs> belt. If you you didn't want to see that belt come off, you know, that was our timeout. But I, I think it's say- all balance, man. It's all about balance. Sometimes you need your butt whooped. <laughs> That, that is true. I've, I've got a three-year-old daughter and, and I can only imagine with the sass that comes now, she's great. Don't get me wrong. She's, I, yeah. I love her to death, but I'm, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen here when she becomes a teenager and, and, and life comes at me very fast. <laughs> You're going to need a lot of uh, that meditation and slow breathing stuff. <laughs> it might be whiskey. Who knows? And whiskey. too. <laughs> They're both uh, doing great, and they're, and they're in their early, you know, their twenties. Uh, but uh, it's kind of funny how they get—they've already given me four grandchildren. My son, my oldest son, he hasn't had any kids yet. So, <laughs> and well, and and, ho- and hopefully they're the most responsible of them all, right? <laughs> I don't know how I got so lucky with my kids, man. They're they're way better than I ever was. So I'm very blessed in that that aspect. Well, I, I think. Good things happen to good people, and, and, and I, I love everything. Love the conversation. Love your music. If you haven't checked them out, Creed Fisher, find them on social media, creedfisher.net, uh, to keep up with everything going on there. Creed, thanks for sharing a drink and, and just sharing your story and, and just having a good time with us. Well, thanks for having me, man. I had a blast.